0: I.V.M. You've tuned into a show called Mr. and Mrs. Binge Watch, and you were expecting a spoiler free episode. So, there are many, many spoilers on this episode. Kripya Dhyandi J.
1: Alright, we are back with a new episode of Mr. and Mrs. Binge Watch. And this time we are going to be talking about a show, Janice and I have just finished binge watching last night. It is the latest brand new season of The Crown. We just finished its third season. And Janice, what did you think about it?
0: I feel like I should have done like one little thing in the background for your introduction. Or you could just
1: speak in a British accent throughout the episode. I know you do that all the no, time. No, you know what's going Why on. Why must I be the only one having to deal with that shit?
0: No, that's not British. Actually, the the Peaky Blinders accent, which I'm not going to do right now. Yeah, I do so not want to be mocked for so the rest. So every
1: time, every time Janice and I are watching a new show, she somehow wants to speak in the accent of the language that the show is in.
0: This happens after Big Boss also, where I suddenly start talking like, like the Sidharth housemates. Shukla. <laughs>
1: Janice, see, we did one episode where we spoke about the fact that we confessed. That we watch Big Boss, we are never mentioning it it again in our lives.
0: Okay, Bubby Kins, can we get on with the episode now? There you go
1: again. Yes,
0: Bubby Kins. You are
1: going to be. You are going to end up offending the Queen, the royal family. Yeah, who, all of
0: whom I'm sure are, are listening in. into. Mr. They will, and they will Mrs. tune Inge-watch. into this one. The day that happens, now nah, bro. I mean, please. But, there are lots of sarcastic jokes coming up, but, but all of them at IBM's But here's what so I want desisting.
1: to. But here's what I want to ask you because you just got me thinking. Do you think the Queen Elizabeth II goes online after every season airs and reads all the reviews out there about and
0: the God, I'm shocked you're asking me this question because there have been like literally only like tens of thousands articles done about this. About what? Where it has been confirmed that the royal family does indeed watch and keep abreast of no, what's are, happening on the crown. Actually,
1: here's the difference. You read headlines, I read articles. Hey,
0: our the oh, reality God. is that
1: Prince Edward and his family are big fans of the crown.
0: No, 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 no. Queen no.
1: Elizabeth II wants nothing to do with it.
0: One second. She Queen Elizabeth, epi- hold on. She, she watched the
1: early episodes and she felt like it was too dramatic and not to her taste.
0: Here's my and question. And she never followed after Here's that. Here's my question. Okay, if Queen Elizabeth was not following what's on the crown, why would she give Olivia Colman like one of her That's multiples? news. No, no. She also invited Helen
1: Mirren over after the movie that Helen Mirren did where she played So maybe she
0: enjoyed it yeah, yeah, she did like That's that film. That's what I'm saying.
1: So. so, I'm talking about the movie. You are ah, talking about two yeah. different things. I am saying that the movie, when it came out, where Helen Mirren played Elizabeth II, Elizabeth invited her over to Windsor Castle for a meal because she was so in love with that performance. Mm. Although I believe, uh, I think Helen Mirren didn't turn up uh, <laughs> because she used uh, the fact that she was shooting as an uh, as an excuse. And uh, I believe uh, Olivia Colman said in an interview that I think she was asked by. Prince William uh, that she bumped into about uh, you know and she asked him if they are watching the show and he congratulated her about the fact that he's she's going to be taking on the lead role yeah and uh, he said that he doesn't in fact every member of the royal family except prince that's what I was trying to tell you at the beginning uh, apart from Prince Andrew, who is a self-confessed fan of the show. See, it's a different See, thing what they might be doing behind closed doors. Yeah, drawers. of
0: course. Yeah, I mean, your entire family and your all your dirty and pretty linen is being put out there to wash and to be viewed by the rest of the world. Of course, you are watching. Of course, you are keeping track.
1: Anyway, season three is out. Uh, as you may have gathered from some of our conversation, the entire cast of the show has undergone a complete facelift. Essentially, the show is designed to be a six-season sort of show which covers 60 years in the Queen's life starting in 1952. And right at the outset, Netflix and the creators had declared that every two seasons, as they keep taking time jump after time jump, the entire cast will sort of change. Which I think to begin with is an extremely brave decision to take because TV viewing especially, Hmm. you know, if you do that with a film, Where you say, make a movie about the three stages of a man's life, and you, you know, sort of it's a trilogy and you cast different actors, that might still work. But TV audiences are known to revel in the familiarity of the story that they are watching because TV is all about continuity, it's all about being in a familiar situation being around familiar characters familiar faces
0: correct which is uh, why of course Ekta Kapoor for years I mean whenever she would take a time leap on kahani ghar ghar ki or kyunki saas Kabi, kabhi bahu thi all of those characters remained as young as they were except now they had lots of white powder in their hair yes, terrible yes. They, makeup they
1: contemplated that they so Peter Morgan said in an interview that he watched all of Ekta Kapoor shows and well, he tried to convince his writers to change their mind but because he said, that
0: is the right way the yes. Indian audiences are used to For t- I mean we are only used those kind of time plebs. Okay? So ever since this bleep, episode no, has bleeps. begun,
1: you have made one Big Boss reference, one Ekta Kapoor reference. Now I'm waiting for a Nagin reference. Next.
0: Yeah.
1: But, no. M- no anyway, uh, so as we know, in the first season, we had Claire Foy leading the cast playing Queen Elizabeth II. Her husband was the... Prince Philip was played by Matt Smith and there were a bunch of other characters John Lithgow of course played uh, the Winston Churchill character mm. and Vanessa Kirby uh, you know played the role of uh, Princess Margaret who was Elizabeth the second sister the entire cast has sort of undergone change in the new season you've got Olivia Colman taking over from Claire Foy woohoo Olivia
0: mm-hmm. Colman we love Olivia Colman Matt and Smith if you've watched if you've listened to Mr. and Mrs. Binge Watch of course as you know that uh, Guha and I and Guha in particular big, are big big, big, big fans, of fans. Of, but we'd
1: be we uh, referenced her in the Women We, we Love, Love on episode, TV episode, yeah. which you can go which back and check Which apparently did out. quite
0: well, as per the numbers that we eventually got on it. Yeah,
1: so. I wish the others did too. <laughs> uh, Matt Smith, who played Prince Philip in the first two seasons, has been replaced by the fantastic Tobias Menzies, who's really, really good in season three. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa Kirby has been replaced by Alina Bonham Carter. Now, that's the only piece of casting that I wasn't sure about, because in terms of just pure physical appearance, I feel like there is a bit of a difference between between... between the two of them. But as far as performance goes, I think Bonham Carter was... As good as or even better than Kirby.
0: I mean, Vanessa Kirby has a very obvious sort of good-looking appeal. I feel like they've had to give Elena Bonham Carter a complete makeover for the show to match up to what, you know, Vanessa Kirby's beauty or actually Princess Margaret's beauty. Because even if you go back and look at pictures, Princess Margaret was stunning.
1: Yeah. And one of the biggest additions to the cast this year is Charles Dance, who played Tywin Lannister on Game of Thrones, has replaced the actor called Greg Weiss as... uh, Lord Mount Patton Dickie? Uh you
0: mean Dickie yeah
1: Uncle Dickie as they refer to him uh, lovingly and some of the new members to join the cast especially the one that I found to be the most exciting addition to the cast is this actor called Josh O'Connor who plays Prince Charles who's also currently the heir apparent, uh, uh, you know, to the throne. He's been waiting uh, for longest,
0: 60 long years. Yeah, he's
1: 68, 67, yeah, 68 now. So he's actually the longest uh, living air apparent in the history of the world but I think Joshua Connor is just a great piece of casting and I, when I watched him I mean apart from the physical refer, you know resemblance that he has to yeah. Prince Charles which is also, actually
0: spooky because from the hunch to the hair yeah. To the but he's a terrific
1: actor you know I remember watching him on Peaky Blinders because when I was watching the show I kept thinking that I've seen him somewhere and I could not place it and then I went back and I read up about it and I realized that he had a really cool three episode arc on Peaky Blinders do
0: it the right way. Now say it the right way. How do you say "Peaky Blinders"?
1: I say it like "Peaky".
0: Peaky Blinders. blinders.
1: Yeah. All right. Janice is back with her <laughs> Irish meets Scottish meets Welsh meets British meets accent Indian. meets Indian
0: meets Indian accent
1: meets Chawparti. But uh, season three has been great. I mean, uh, I, I mean, all the talk in the run-up to the season was about the fact that oh. Are these, I mean, nobody thought that the actors won't work because the actors were so, I mean, they went so safe with their selections. Whether it's an Olivia Coleman, you know, she's got terrific acting pedigree, or whether it's an Elena Bonham Carter or Tobias I Menzies, these are all seasoned actors who are mm. brilliant at their craft. So you know that these are the best middle-aged actors at your disposal. And so you're going to probably go right with the casting. But the worry, of course, was about the transition. You know, irrespective of how great these actors are, you know, we have to live with the baggage of having seen those younger actors playing those roles. And I feel that where the show really excels in this season, in addition to all the other factors that we'll be talking about later, is that I think the transition is amazingly smooth. Mm. So smooth, in fact, that there are scenes, you know, the only time we see Clairefoy on the show is through photographs. And it's, I was thinking about it, it's almost like they've bookended the show mm. by two moments where you see Clairefoy in pictures. First is the first scene of episode 1 of season 3 where essentially she's looking at a picture of Claire and looking at a picture of herself now Mm. and you know you do a little bit of a and there's a comment about how she's grown older.
0: And not aged very well.
1: Uh, and in fact, the the name of the episode is Olding, yeah. which is sort of a reference to that. And in the final episode of the season where, uh, you know, her brother-in-law gives her a picture because he's a photographer that he took when they were younger. Hmm. Uh, and it's, uh, it's amazing, you know, it's like when that scene came, the one in the finale, I had to remind myself that Claire Foy was part of the show because it's like while you're watching season 3, you don't think about it and when you're reminded of it, you're like, oh, you know, that transition just feels so Mm. organic and perfect. Yeah. That uh, it just seems right, right? And I also feel that even Tobias Menzies with the makeup that they did on him uh, and, you know, if you go back and you see pictures of Prince Philip now, Tobias Menzies looks closer to Prince Philip than Matt Smith ever did.
0: But again, Matt Smith also was meant to be like, if you go back and look at Prince Philip's young days photos Prince Philip was quite dashing himself yeah, which is why Matt Smith probably got cast in the first place I mean he always did look a little too handsome I know what you mean no no I'm just not like, uh, typically no, good looking I'm not looking. saying
1: good looking or not I'm saying purely from the resemblance point of view
0: but let's get into of course some of the stories that this season is delving into first episode of course like you said is about uh, the queen sort of you know you're, you're being reintroduced to all the characters you're being reintroduced to where the British Empire's at who's the new Prime Minister. They've done a lovely little uh, tribute to Winston Churchill in the first episode itself. I mean, I love that little moment that the Queen goes to visit him when he's on his deathbed. And that moment that they shared, for me, that was the standout moment of episode one. But in terms of, I mean, they've gone into other things. They've gone into a coal, uh, you know, a miners' tragedy which sort of holds Britain ransom. There is, of course, uh, another tragedy that leads to the death of 100 children. There is, uh, which is called Aberfan, probably one of my favorite episodes this season but I think and Anirudh and I were talking about this we were discussing our favorite episodes and my favorite episode actually is called Margaretology this is almost like a tribute for me to Elena Bonham Carter's acting chops because mm, mm. in this episode Princess Margaret is sent with her husband who doesn't really get along with her they both sent off to America on this, you know, meet and greet sort of mission where they're supposed to go and visit a lot of families, very well to, you know, do a lot of crowd interactions. And the British Empire at the same time is also hitting an economic crisis. And now all eyes turn to Margaret because she's already in America. And Johnson, who was the president at that time of, you know, American president at that time, won't come to meet the Queen. So they instead decide to send Margaret for a dinner at the White House with a mission that they need America now to help them out with their economic bailout. Correct. And Margaret is told by the Queen in a phone call that please stick to the book. Like, you know, stick to all the rules of the book and, right, you know, right. don't, don't go overboard and don't be too Margaret. And of course, Princess Margaret does just what Princess Margaret does. Yeah. She yeah. cracks vulgar jokes. She drinks the boys under the table. She dances. She sings. And she totally wins over vulgar President Johnson.
1: Yeah, also, uh, you know, the Vanessa Kirby character in the first two seasons, in fact, a lot of the first two seasons of the show played with the fact that there are these two kids, two offsprings who are one of who has been straddled with the crown, Hmm. even though she does not love the job that she does and has to grow into it. As opposed to the second one who always seemed like she was ready to take it on but never got it. In fact, that has been a recurring theme that they, uh, you know, sort of delved into in both season one and two. Mm. In season three, this is the only real episode where they do that because, you know, the episode, in fact, season, this episode begins with the flashback scenes of the two of them as little kids where, uh, where you know, Elizabeth has just been informed that she's going to be taking on the mantle after uh, her after her father passes on. And there, there are these two little, you know, sort of innocent kids who have a pact between them where the younger one says that, hey, why don't you just like, you know, push my name forward because clearly... Yeah, just go
0: tell them you that don't you, wanna don't wanna you don't
1: want to be queen. Because you don't want to do it. and uh, and And you see that, you know, and then you take a... A fast forward to many years later, where the one who is actually queen does not necessarily love the job she does, hmm. uh, but has grown into it as opposed to the other one. So this has been a recurring theme, which is why this episode really works, because you finally get to see the Margaret character doing a diplomatic act. mission, yeah. You know, actually being part... Not just being a pretty face... Not just being a party girl... Actually showing what she's good at... Mm. Which is that both of them have their strong points... Right? Why Elizabeth is resilient and graceful... And has this, you know, stable. sort of endearing quality about her. Margaret is a slightly more flamboyant and um, people-pleaser kind of a person. No,
0: she's the wild child. Quite obviously, no, she's No, but the, here I'm saying oh, in this, this specific yeah.
1: incident as a person on a diplomatic mission, she can use her charm to get things done, right? Yeah. So they both have very differing personalities and... The reaching point of that show, of that episode, is what is the most crucial one, which is that Margaret finally having proven her worth, basically makes an offer that she should be involved in the crown's responsibilities a lot more and that they can divide responsibilities and do things that Elizabeth may not always want to do, which Elizabeth strongly considers before her mother nips it in the bud, telling her that, you know, at the end of the day, you need to let sort of tradition continue the way it is and not change things around too much. And Mm. I think that is pretty much the theme of the new season. Mm. You know, it's about new thought, new blood, people with new intentions trying to bring about some sort of a change, whether it's uh, uh, Princess Margaret, whether it's the oldest son of Elizabeth and Philip, which is obviously Prince Charles, whether it is, you know, sort of. Reminding us about uh, you know her, her uncle who mm-hmm. was supposed to be king but was abdicated because she he got married to an American widow. I'm saying that entire struggle of tradition versus modernity, which they only right slightly touched upon in the first two seasons. Correct,
0: and I feel like in uh, this season gets
1: bigger importance now because in terms of the time frame and because it's in the seventies. And now it's going to get into the 80s and the 90s. The more they get closer to current time, the bigger the debate becomes, right?
0: And I also feel like even Olivia Coleman's characters and you know Queen Elizabeth's character herself is through multiple episodes questioning her own decisions, questioning where, how the royals, you know, the place of the royals in modern times. I mean, even in Aberfan, which is a really emotional episode where you know there's a tragedy that strikes. Yeah, a small, it strikes a small village, and you know, hundred odd Hundred kids die, and uh, Queen Margaret, sorry Queen Elizabeth, is not does not actually for the entire first week visit the village or visit the mourning families, and uh, that episode plays out so beautifully because initially it's like you know the royals are so used to reacting to every national, international news, tragedy, economic crisis, with just the most nonchalant response, right? I mean, they'll get their press secretary to send out a response to put out a statement. And that's that, you know, they never I mean, involving a royal in like, you know, trying to go and visit a hospital or trying to go and visit the site of a tragedy means that something has to have really gone down. But this episode shows you how even a small tragedy, or eventually actually, which goes on to become a really big tragedy, it sort of plays out over a week where you realize how the royals have now got to change, whether people want to see them more involved in modern times, whether people want to see a human side to them as well. But it's
1: interesting you brought that up because clearly two seasons down the line when Princess Diana is going to die in an accident, we are going to find out how the entire public of the United Kingdom... Revolted against the the crown mm. because they felt like their response to the death was not emotional enough. Uh, of course, that's going to be the juicier parts of the story yeah, that yeah. we're going to get into. Not oh next, God. not next season. The season after that. But uh, I mean, the next season is when they're going to introduce Diana and they're going to get into the love affair between Charles and Diana. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to reach 1996 when uh, 1997, in fact, which is when the the, the crash happened. I In fact, I think that's a great season 5 starting point. They could also finish season 4 on that note, but that's for later. Listen,
0: they easily have like at least 7 seasons because, oh my god, I am still waiting no, for, Kate William, said, for Kate and William. For Kate and William to get married yeah, and have kids. They've already
1: said it's going to be a 6 season show. Shit. Uh, and it makes complete sense. See, look, the season, I mean, since we are on it just quickly, season 4 is going to be fantastic because their entire decade... From 79 to 90 is one where the Iron Lady Mark, Margaret Thatcher was the Prime Minister of the country. She herself is such an interesting character. There have been movies based on her life. Mm. One of the few sort of women leaders of the world. And interestingly, she didn't get along well with the Queen at all. Uh, and in fact... I wonder you know, why. You know, in fact, all the pri- a lot... Of the crown has to do with the Queen's relationship with the Prime Minister's. Whether it was Churchill or in this season, there is Wilson. Wilson and Heath. And what's going to happen is that, I mean, I don't know how many of you know this, but I'm just gone completely berserk after I read this piece of news last night, which is that Gillian Anderson who from X-Files and The the Fall fall and so many other, you know, great shows and sex education earlier this year has been brought on to play Margaret Thatcher in season 4. Which, I mean, I can't wait to watch Olivia Colman and Gillian Anderson in the same frame. Uh, And
0: I'm wondering how that wig is going to look on Gillian Anderson. And of
1: course, there's going to be the whole track of the young Princess Diana and her falling in love with... uh, Uh, with Charles and and the fact that she's then going to have the two kids. So there's a lot to look forward to in Season 4. Just quickly coming back to Season 3. You know, the thing about Crown is that while it manages to pack in so much in a season, its real strength lies in how much they manage to pack into every episode of the show, right? Because uh, when you think about it, it's like a season is made up of 10 very different stories, which are then strung together in a single narrative. And I think that's a really difficult and you need real craft to be able to pull that off season after season. Because uh, it's almost like an anthology treatment, right? And with an anthology treatment, as we very well know, you like some stories more than the others. But especially in season three, the thing about The Crown is that I liked season two more than season one. And I loved season three a lot more than season two, because I feel that all the 10 little vignettes in season three are just so good. Like, I mean, we were just talking about you, you know, you were listing out some of the stories. And of course, you loved uh, Margaret Ology But uh, my favorite episode is episode 6 of the show, which basically introduces us to Prince Charles, Mm. introduces us to Joshua O'Connor, this brilliant actor playing Prince Charles, who manages to humanize Prince Charles so well, uh, you know, with his sort of vulnerable, charming, easygoing presence. And it's a beautiful story, which in fact, I remember while seeing I Kept Telling You could turn into an entire full-fledged feature film, Yeah. which if this was a movie would have actually won an Oscar like like King's Speech, which is about Prince Charles going to a Welsh village uh, to stay there so that he could be tutored by one of the best Welsh teachers in the language so that when he is... uh, made the Prince of Wales at a ceremony, he can essentially give a speech in the Welsh language. The context now, the to this, of course, is that, now, the the, inter- that the Welsh
0: people have never enjoyed being a part of the you know British Empire. Yeah,
1: now the interesting thing is that the tutor, the professor who is actually training Prince Charles is a revolutionary who does not believe in the monarchy. He does not believe in there being royalty at all and believes like you said the fact that the 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 crown does not really care about the welsh people or their problems uh, which is such a great sort of an analogy for say kashmir in our country you know which is part of the country but the people there don't really feel like they are part of the country and it's it's such a complicated uh, you know sort of political space but uh, but that entire episode played out like the story of these two individuals, one who comes from a place where he's born with a silver spoon, comes from a place of privilege, another who's a working class man, both of them having very different upbringings, different, you know, sort of ideals, different approaches to life who are actually at loggerheads with each other because they both don't want to be where they are. Hmm. Neither is Charles interested in going and living there and learning Welsh, neither does this guy want to really, really teach him. But by the end of it, They've both grown from that experience. And I felt like that entire episode had a feature film like start, middle and end. Mm. uh, Including that rousing speech that he makes in the end which, you know, just reminded me of the entire... King's speech arc between Colin Firth and Geoffrey Rush so much in
0: fact I like the fact that you know I kept thinking that they're building up towards this big speech that Prince Charles has to give to the people of Wales Uh, and I kept thinking oh my god are they going Like if if you over dramatize something in a show like The Crown which actually even in very dramatic situations plays it very subtly You might ruin that moment. The fact that they just played out a little bit of his speech speech, without really sort of, you know, I mean, they could have very easily turned it into one of those moments where the music, the background music is, you know, elevating the speech and people are looking at themselves surprised that, oh, this guy is making so much sense. But they underplayed it. And that is the beauty of it. Yeah. The one person... who. But it was still a very rousing scene. yeah, Yeah, but I'm saying the one person, it almost was like, even in this very public internationally televised moment. It's a personal moment between a, a pupil and his teacher. Because the only person yeah, yeah, yeah. who cares... No, but
1: that's what I'm saying. So that's why it played out like a two-character. So it, what's interesting, and that's why the treatment is so integral, is that you have a show which is made up such a wide ensemble of which you've got these principal characters which are played by Coleman and Menzies. And you have an entire episode where you re- hardly ever see... The principal characters of the show. You don't see Carter, Bonham Carter. You don't see Menzies. You don't see
0: Coleman. Coleman,
1: You don't see any of these guys. And you just see Prince Charles for the first time. So Mm. you don't even really see... You've not really seen him before. Mm. And you see this one professor who only has that one episode arc. And it's almost like that story... If you watch only that episode of The Crown and yeah. never watch anything before or after, it still stands its own ground.
0: Completely on its own. And now, I think
1: that's really something.
0: You know, I also feel like more than anyone else, um, you know, the show has managed to, at least this season has managed to humanize Prince Charles for me to a great extent. You know, we've all grown up on the narrative that, you know, this is a man who didn't love his wife and that Diana was depressed through much of their marriage. Yeah. And that, you know, eventually the falling out... Out, the separation, her affairs and her eventual death and again then the royal family's very cold response to her death you know the entire British media and especially the paparazzi sort of represented Charles in for a very long time as this man who never gave a shit about his wife or his kids and that the moment enough time had passed away eventually married Camilla Parker Bowles right? who's again, she's got a pretty important track on this season so I'm saying that we've always looked at him that way but this show, I mean, at least, you know, the way they've sort of portrayed him and the kind of uh, moments that they've given him and Josh O'Connor playing him gives him such a very humane feel. Like, I almost feel bad for the guy now. I feel like he's the guy who was wrong the most.
1: Yeah, and that's great because also they uh, essentially, that's why they've cast, again, they've cast Derek Jacoby, this great actor who we saw in Last Time on Halifax. He's one of the legendary British actors Oh yeah, yeah, he really
0: pulls who, at your heartstrings. Who's one
1: of the, uh, who's, who's, who's replaced one of the older actors as a an older version of their uncle who was king. And he was very similar to Charles in a sense that he was slightly forward thinking and wanted to do new things. Now the thing about Charles is that we've read this about him. Yeah. We know this about him. And actually what you're saying it this season acts as such a great setup for that because what they've shown is him being in love with this girl called Kamala Shand, who was essentially a commoner, and hence the family was not okay with him getting married to her. And so they broke up and she got married to Andrew Parker Bowles and that kind of broke his heart. And what we're gonna see in the next season is that they actually got her got him married to someone from Royalty, which was Princess yeah. Diana. Was Diana Spencer before she got married to him. And clearly that was an unhappy marriage. It's almost like a Hollywood movie plot ready for you to be played out over the next two seasons of
0: course,
1: yeah. Uh, it's like de chuke sanam. and I'm not <laughs> even kidding it's like you're in love with a guy and then you're forcefully married off to another guy but you're not happy in that marriage without of course the,
0: without the Sanjali the yeah. I was going to say ending but you realize my husband is okay. treatment I said <laughs>
1: what did you think I, I said, thought
0: ending I was saying ending, ending. Yeah, yeah I heard
1: that okay. uh, but yeah uh, The Crown season 3 was for me The most fulfilling experience I've had watching a show. This year, we watched some great shows. I loved Succession. Sex Education was great. There were a bunch of other shows that I really, really liked. Chernobyl, When They See Us. All of these were such great shows. But for me, the crown is right now as we stand today, maybe because I've just watched it this week. Really the best TV show I've watched this year because... Not from a point of view, purely from the point of view of acting, which is great and the direction and the way the, the production values and how lavish it is and how great to watch and how they edit it and shoot it and all of that. But apart from that, just how each episode affected me emotionally in different ways. And I feel that it takes real Craft to be able to do that episode after episode when you're not telling the same continuous story. You know, to be able to do that with different episodes and different stories in each episode, it really tugged at my heartstrings. It almost had me overwhelmed by the end of it. Mm. So I absolutely fell in love with The Crown Season 3. It's also a show which I don't feel needs to be necessarily binge watched, even though it is so great that you will be very tempted to watch the new next episode after one ends. But because they are self-contained stories, even if you sort of cherish them over a period of time... You know, you'd still enjoy it as much.
0: Yeah, man, totally. I mean, great season, uh, great casting. Can't wait for Diana to finally enter the show for all the juicy bits to begin. Because let's be honest, I am really interested in Correct. Princess Diana and Charles. Ke Kya hua? When will they get to Kate and William actually getting married? When will Meghan, <laughs> sparkle enter? Uh, sparkle, no, Meghan Markle enter the show? So, sparkle though, she does sparkle, guys. She sparkles quite a bit. That
1: reminded me of Robin Sparkles from... How I met your
0: mother. Okay, yeah, but I mean, lots of juicy bits to look forward to in the next few seasons. Uh, great show, guys. I mean, if you haven't already checked it out, and if you actually, if you're going to start watching The Crown, I'm really jealous because you've got three freaking amazing seasons to go through. So that was earlier than me talking about The Crown. We'll see you guys on the other side of this break.
1: All right, then we're in the last month of the year. December's are just around the corner. And just before the year ends, there are a few shows that Janice and I thought we should be picking for you guys to look forward to. December 6th, guys, you should keep in mind, is an extremely crucial date because there are at least three really interesting films and TV shows dropping on that day. On Amazon, there is, of course, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, a show which Janice and my love for is extremely well documented in some of the other episodes that we've done. We spoke about it in our Emmy specials. We spoke about it in Women We Love. Uh, And on the same day, also dropping on Amazon is Inside Edge, the first really big Indian show that launched uh, when, Janice, was it 2016, 2017?
0: 2017.
1: Yeah, it's created by uh, Karan Anshuman. It's got Vivek Who is a former
0: critic, now turned writer and director. Right.
1: And there's Vivek Obroy, Richard Chadda, Angad Bedi and a host of other actors on it. Sidhan Chaturvedi. Sidhan Chaturvedi, the Gully Boy Boy. Who MC was, Share. Who was actually launched Share, on the show. Who,
0: yeah, MC Share, who no one knew batch back in 2017 and is now like the hottest thing on the show.
1: Right. That's kind of interesting, right? I mean, he started and, and that's great about TV because you know sometimes you you know you're on a season and you're not extremely well known, and then you might come back on another season. That's a problem they had to deal with uh, with Chris Pratt on yeah. parks and recreation. Also on December 6th is the brilliant, amazing. I've already decided it's the best film of the year because i've just read nothing but amazing reviews of the marriage story which mm. is like one of the best films of the year which is premiered at a bunch of festivals and critics have been raving about it uh it's a film by noah baumbach a director i completely love i am totally loved his film francis Ha, and uh it has scarlett Johansson and adam driver in the leads correct and and they're all up for uh Uh, nominations, I mean, they're all favorites to be nominated at the upcoming Oscars. Another film out in December which has a lot of Oscar buzz going about it is a movie called Two Popes. It's got Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price on it and essentially this is a strategy that Netflix has come up with where they're going to essentially be releasing a lot of the films which are going to be Oscar hopefuls in the month of November and December. Of course, The Irishman has already released. Janice and I will probably be watching it this weekend and bringing you uh, an episode about it in future. And the final show that we wanted to recommend that comes out in the month of December is a show that Janice and I completely fell in love with in its first season. It's coming out on December twenty sixth. This is the second season of You, which has...
0: Pen Badgley Gossip Girl fans unite
1: Right And so Pen Badgley Is back with you It's it's coming out on 26th So it's the ideal Sort of Show to binge watch On your Christmas And New Year weekend
0: All of you guys Who are gonna send us Tweets or comments Saying how could like How could you like You You is about a stalker He's very creepy What is wrong with you You is not Oh stuff. we'll be discussing I mean, All of that When yeah, we do because an episode About it I remember it. telling A few girlfriends and I really Really enjoyed you And I couldn't Stop watching it And they were like Oh it was so problematic and what oh, kind really? of culture does it encourage That's and I'm just like guys we cannot be looking at every piece of content like this yeah right.
1: so this is our conversation that you and I are going to have in detail after we watch the second season of you although Only we can have if
0: it, we like the second no, season of I you. mean if
1: we don't like it we can still talk about how much we loved season Haan, we'll 1 we'll
0: come and we'll piss on it and, uh, and I mean yeah. anyway it's pen badgery.
1: Yeah, so essentially the years uh, coming to a close, these are some of the things to look forward to.
0: And if you like this podcast, don't forget to listen to other podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to them on IVMPodcast.com or wherever it is that you get your podcast stash from. And of course, if you want to follow us on social media, well, we are IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to send feedback and comments to Ani and me, because you know what, in future weeks, we're going to start responding to some of (laughs) your feedback. Well, catch us on Twitter. I'm At janicek 85, Anirudh is at Aninguha, and we're the same on Instagram. Also, okay, you know this by now. You listen to the show every week. You know this. Yeah,
1: if you've hung around till this last minute, 27th episode, yeah, probably. So,
0: like, you know this, okay? All right, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. Same time is irrelevant, but same place. IBM podcast. British
1: accent. Me. Alvida.
0: British accent I said in
1: normal accent You say it What do you say
0: from the day? You are British You are you Alright then goodbye It is time for tea Bye